This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. We are going to focus first on the carnage on our roads. We just talked about this yesterday, and since we talked about it yesterday, another four cyclists and three pedestrians were struck. Thank goodness no one was killed, but a cyclist died of his injuries on Tuesday. In my neighborhood, by the way, something that really brings it home. That brings the total, and this total does not include whatever might have happened this morning, to 142 since May the 30th. This is a big concern for our mayor, John Tory, and he joins us now. Welcome, Mayor. Hi, Libby. How are you? Great, thanks. How are you? Fine, thanks. Thank you so much for being here. What's your reaction to those numbers? Well, they're unacceptable. They're tragic because in some cases people have lost their lives. Uh, and, you know, it just uh, means that we all, starting with government, but going all the way through to every individual person who's using, you know, the roads and the sidewalks and so on, have to uh, decide we're all going to do something to, uh, you know, to try and stem this tide. Interestingly enough, um, you know, the number of serious injuries and fatalities was actually on a very steady downward trend over the last number of years. Um, and, and I think it's because people were paying more attention We've been taking certain steps to, you know, try and make it that way. And now this year, as you suggest, and even this week and this month, um, you know, the numbers are spiking. And and that uh, just means we have to make a greater effort, including the road safety plan that comes to uh, Toronto City Council next week. Um, Mayor, I know that you tried to do something about this uh, by recording a public service announcement. Let's just have a quick listen to that. Across Toronto, too many pedestrians are being hit and killed on our roads. These accidents are happening on busy streets, in quiet neighborhoods, at all times of the day and in every part of the city, most of them seniors. I'm Mayor John Tory, and I believe one death on our roads is one too many. So please, keep your eyes on the road, obey traffic signals and slow down. You'll get where you're going, and you might just save a life. Thank you. Uh, so... Mayor Tory, unfortunately, that PSA did not seem to have much effect. There were actually more pedestrians and cyclists struck in the 15 days after you recorded it than in the 15 days before. So do you have any idea what is causing this spike and, and what we can do about it You know, now? Well, I think it starts from the fact, Libby, that we have an infrastructure in terms of our roads and so on that was made for a different time. Uh, you know, it was made for a time when only cars in very large numbers were sort of occupying the road. But now what you have is uh, a, a situation in 2016 where you have a lot more cyclists and you have a lot more people walking places. And this is all good for the environment. It's good for people's health and so on and so on. Um, and what we now have to start to do, and we've begun already, is to make adjustments to that infrastructure to take account of the fact you have people sharing that space. So why are we doubling the amount of cycling infrastructure? And I know that there are people who get mad about this because they think somehow this is a step being taken against cars. Not at all. It is simply saying, look, if there are going to be cyclists out there on the road, which we want to encourage, I think, then we better make sure there's a safe 
place for them to be safe both for themselves but also safe for the people driving cars so that's why we're putting in twice as much cycling infrastructure consisting of things like separated bike lanes um, um mayor tory is is part of the problem that we have now today this month that uh when all of this construction that we were all warned about and are now bedeviled with was planned. Cyclists and pedestrians were not necessarily taken into account. So, for instance, on a busy street like Richmond, which had a bike lane, which a lot of people use, is now down to one lane. So not only is there no place for the cyclists, but the cars, people are just like frustrated and they're going nuts. I think that the, the frustration you refer to without getting into, I can mention Richmond Street in a moment, but the, the general level of frustration with traffic has also contributed to this. And this is not excusing, you know, what happens uh, when people get frustrated. But the fact is that when people are sitting in one of those lines of traffic, they will suddenly say, well, I'm in a hurry. I've got to get somewhere and pull around to the right-hand side of the traffic line. And in so doing, do it in a very sudden sort of way and, and, and all of a sudden be confronted by the fact someone's just stepped off the curb or there's a bicycle there. And these are the kinds of things that are, are one are reasons why you have to both address the causes of congestion, uh, but also refig- reconfigure some of our roads so that the cyclists and pedestrians are better protected from, um, you know, from cars, which of course are going to be more lethal. Richmond Street, look, the bottom line, Libby, is some, you have to do that work sometime. And I've taken steps, and your listeners, I think, will be aware of this. I've taken steps to increase the amount of 724 construction we're doing. I'm paying, ec- I'm, on behalf of taxpayers, paying extra money to get jobs done faster and so on. But the bottom line is when a water main needs to be replaced or when streetcar tracks need to be replaced or whatever, the work has to be done. And so there's going to be a time on Richmond Street or just about any other street where there's some time when it's, cl- when it's closed or partially closed. And uh, we're just trying to coordinate that. But, I mean, I agree it causes dislocation and perhaps even, you know, raises some safety issues. But I think it, it doesn't stop the fact we have to do the work. Now, yesterday, uh, I was talking to Councillor John Burnside. And yep. his idea is that the best way to deal with this now uh, is to ramp up enforcement because when we see whoever it is, cars or cyclists behaving really badly on the road, there's there's no cop in sight. And he talked about um, stop sign cameras. Uh, do we really need permission from the province for that? And, and or how else, like what other tools do you have and are you planning on ramping up enforcement? Well, yes, and it's part of a very big issue, and uh, I agree with him. And the answer, unfortunately, to your question is yes, we need some legislative changes to clarify uh, that we can use technology like this, which exists today. And it all goes back at the beginning to the fact that we are presently using highly paid, highly trained police officers to do a lot of this work, standing around watching people turn left or not turn left or whatever, stop signs and so on. Technology exists to let us do that, which will be speaking to the enforcement point that you uh, raised, and I think you're right. And so we have to seek the permissions, and we've already indicated in our task force on police transformation, it's one of the big things we're going to do. I mean, I presently have deployed as an experiment, as I'm sure your listeners know, police officers to actually direct traffic and help manage pedestrian uh, safety in uh, some key intersections across the city to see if that makes a positive contribution. It's a pilot project. But in the end, Libby, I also need provincial permission 
to clarify that we can use people who will call, let's say, for lack of a better name, traffic wardens, who are not police officers, who are not paid as much as police officers, who are trained differently to do that work. So police officers can go off and catch the bad guys on the serious crime, and but we can still have people in those intersections. So the answer to your question is, is an emphatic yes, but in some of these cases, to use non-police officers and that kind of thing, to use technology, we need legislative permission. And I don't want to say the province is holding us up. We've asked them, and they've been very receptive to my ETA? request. ETA? ETA for that to um, come through? I, I think by the end of the year, uh, you know, the, the legislation would be passed, and then we can get on with doing this right away. Yeah, just b- before we turn to a few other subjects, yep. just today we heard about uh, in New Jersey, because some of the responsibility is with the pedestrians and with the cyclists, uh, they're proposing a distracted walking bill, making it uh, a punishable offense. Yeah. Just a thought. I don't know. I mean, it's a thought because, you know, look, I, I, you have to always place the biggest onus by far on the person that's inside a vehicle surrounded by two sons of steel. But there is an onus on everybody else, too, because we're all sharing. The, the word sharing, the roads and the sidewalks and so on together, is what it is. We're sharing it. And so everybody has a responsibility, but I think the principal responsibility rests with the people that are in the two tons of steel. Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully we don't have to pass a distracted pedestrian law and people are just using common sense and using their all the rules you were taught by Elmer, the safety elephant <laughs> in school. You know, look both ways and so on. It's just common sense. You do that as a matter of self-preservation. They, they're um, looking at their, their devices is the problem. Sometimes that happens. Anyway, um, we uh, are going to turn for our last few minutes to a couple of other topics. Sure. Now, just uh, uh, you know, a couple of hours ago, as I'm sure you're aware, Black Lives Matter reiterated their demand to have no police booths or floats uh, in the Pride Parade. Uh, yesterday, uh, we saw a letter you wrote uh, to the Toronto Police Association saying that you were confident uh, that Pride, that the police would continue uh, to participate in Pride in the official way that they do now. Yeah. Uh, so if that's not going to happen, if uh, uh, Black Lives Matter you know, wins their case, would you see cutting city funding to the parade? I don't want to go there because it sounds like a sort of negative conclusion or a negative hypothetical. I, I'd prefer to think that this can be worked out because I believe the participation of the police over time in Pride has been very positive as part of a much broader, um, you know, improvement in the relationship, which used to be quite bad between very the bad. LGBTQ community and the police. So I think, you know, if we're trying to promote inclusion in the city, including in Pride, then how do you go about doing that by excluding people? So. I hope that, you know, when push comes to shove, that um, they can sit down and it's really not in my domain. I mean, as you say, the funding part is, but the rest of it isn't. Yeah, and but that's, it, that's at the end of it. At the end of the day, that is uh, the lever that you have, because it uh, doesn't yeah. sound like Black Lives Matter is a very... Uh, compromise-minded group? Well, I guess we'll find out because they're going to have discussions with Pride and and, uh, the community that supports Pride, which includes us. And we're all going to talk together about some of the issues that uh, Black Lives Matter raise. And we'll see where we end up. And and so I just don't want to sort of prejudge that by saying, well, if it's a bad conclusion, therefore we'll do this or that. I just uh, think that we need to have the police uh, as partners in a lot of these ventures. We need the police to keep the parade safe. Exactly. It's a great big event. I mean, you know, and it's the biggest event we probably have every year in terms of a crowd. So I hope it'll turn out, uh, you know, for the best. And, and, uh, um, you know, I think if reasonable people sit down and have reasonable adult conversations, there's a lot can get done. Well, yeah, if you need if you have reasonable people... (laughs) 
So we'll, so we'll find out. So we'll find out. Uh, now on the issue of uh, revenue tools, and those are uh, some new kinds of taxes like hotel taxes or parking levies. Uh, yesterday uh, in the Globe and Mail, they reported that you told their editorial board that you are ready to support some of these new taxes. Uh, just a few weeks ago here on this program, your budget chief, Gary Crawford, told us that there would absolutely be no revenue tools in the 2017 budget. So yeah, we- I think I think what he said, and I look, you could have to play me back the words, but I think what he said was we were not contemplating actually bringing those forward until we had completed what we're presently underway doing and under his leadership, which is the complete review of expenditures, including a request that all the people in the city departments and so on look for different ways to do things, alternate ways to deliver services and so on, because we want to make sure we can look the citizens in the eye and say we've really looked at the spending as it's presently being done and make sure it's being done well and in the best way possible. And that includes thinking outside the box. And it even includes thinking about some city assets we own and saying, are we better off to actually take that money and repurpose it into transit or something? But I will tell you this, Libby, that beyond that, if you do that exercise, which we're going to do, and under Gary Crawford's leadership, we're going to do it properly, we are still going to need to have some other measures that don't support the annual operating budget, but go to what I call the city building fund. We have $29 billion in unfinanced transit projects. And my bottom line is we simply must build that transit. We can't keep going on saying we can't afford it or, you know, we've got to study it or change our mind again. I'm about getting it done because I think that's what people sent me here to do. Absolutely. So absolutely. But, but we need to have the revenue to pay for it. Because but are you saying no free transit, Libby? But but these revenue tools. Is there a chance they will be in the 2017 budget or not? Oh, it's possible. I, I, I think that, uh, you know, that uh, I would certainly like to see us uh, take on this report we've had written by KPMG, uh, get the analysis of our staff, which they're presently doing, and this fall actually look at some possibilities of uh, moving forward. Because the sooner you start to implement these, and I hope they're fair to the people and effective and transparent, the sooner you start to do it, the sooner you have the money to actually pay to build this transit. And I think that that is an urgent, urgent, urgent priority to people have told me they want the transit built. Uh, and for that matter, Libby, some of the stuff we talked about earlier, the road modifications yep. to make them safer, that comes out of the same pot of money. So if we want to make things safer for pedestrians and do more of that and change more of the intersections and all the rest, it comes out of the same budget. So um, I, I, I hope we can move ahead as quickly as possible. So I wouldn't be as categorical about exactly when this will be done in terms of telling you when it won't be done. I will tell you it will be done as soon as we can thoughtfully uh, make choices and put those in front of the city council and approve them. And if that happens this fall, then that's fine with me. Okay, so we will disregard what uh, Councillor well, Crawford... Well, I don't want to being dismissive of him. I think he was trying to emphasize the fact we have to do the spending review first. Right. And that is what but we're But he was doing, categorical right about, about yep. 2017. Yep. Just, just before we go, though, yep. uh, last question. Yep. Uh, so the way some of these, especially the idea of a parking levy uh, would go, is that it, it would be business that pays. Uh, Toronto, currently, our property taxes are lower than the rest of the GTA. So is property taxes, are property tax hikes on the table, or are these all things that would, you know, mostly fall on businesses? Uh, well, I, of course, you have to choose which ones. They, like an alcohol tax falls on people. That's one of the things that's in the paper. A parking tax could fall on people or businesses. You know, that's why we have to make choices. But let me just say on property taxes, since you asked, I made a commitment during the election campaign in seeking the office that I hold that property tax increases would be kept to at or below the rate of inflation. And I am maintaining that commitment. And I do it principally because I've heard from an awful lot of seniors 
and young people at both ends of the age spectrum. The seniors say, I'm on a fixed income, and while I may have a house that's worth quite a bit of money, I want to continue to live here, and we want people to stay in their homes because they're healthier and happier in their homes. And they say the single biggest check they often write over the course of a year is their property tax check, and it's going to put people out of homes. At the young people end of it, they've done a very careful calculation based on mortgage payments and property taxes and so on to be able to own a home, and I want them to own a home for the sake of their family. And so I'm just saying that my commitment with respect to property taxes stands at or below the rate of inflation, and so it means we have to look to other areas to find uh, these revenues. Uh, And you mentioned a couple, but there's a list of 12, I think, that are in this report, and that's what we're studying right now. Okay, Mayor Tory, uh, thank you so much for Always your participation, and we you. hope that we will be able to talk to you on a regular basis I'd here. I like that very much. Okay, thanks a lot. Thanks. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Okay, we're going to uh, take a quick break. We have callers waiting, and when we come back from the break, we will take your calls. Back after this. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Schneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Well, you just heard our interview with Mayor John Tory on a whole host of subjects, especially road safety. Uh, Now we're going to take your calls and uh, hear what you thought of that. We're going to start with Walter in Hamilton. Hi, Walter. Hi. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you very much for taking my call. Go ahead. First of all, I would like to thank uh, the mayor, Tory, for the wonderful work they've done pertaining to the Pride Parade. They are super. The police officers were super-duper. And believe me, I'd like to give each one of you out there a great big hug of thanks <laughs> for work well done. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. And not only that, as far as the uh, uh, BLM organization is black lives matter yes that's right they should uh, get rid of their attitude straighten up their act quit being so stubborn and then they too could be welcome but this time if they get rid of their attitude that stick them at the back end of the parade holding up the rear end okay <laughs> that... Now, that, that's one trick the other thing is i'd like to mention is uh we heard a lot uh from many people but not much from the uh, people who organize the uh, Toronto Pride. They'd like to hear more of their voices on their side of that equation and see what they have to say, uh, especially pertaining to all of the things that were mentioned for the last few days on that subject. Okay, well, you know what? I I hate to use a a slightly uh, sexist term, but they've got to man up and say what they think. Because right now, they're uh, they're kind of hiding in the bushes. Uh, the day after, they did say, uh, all they said was, well, we signed that piece of paper just to get the parade going. But just kidding, we didn't mean it. But they didn't come out and, and uh, support the police. They sort of said their participation is up to the community. Uh, Walter, thanks for your call. We have some other people waiting in the queue. Yeah, okay. I'm going to make a couple of phone calls and make clear this up. Okay, okay. thanks. Thank Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We've got Roger in Toronto. Hello, Roger. Oh, yes. Hello, Libby. Hi, how are you? Fine. How are you? Oh, oh I'm okay today, just resting at home. And uh, I, I was wondering about the group Black Lives Matter. Uh, do they 
do they give a reason why they don't want the police? Well, the they police? say that uh, that they're uh, what they call a racialized community, uh, don't feel safe with the police around, that the police have been guilty of a lot of racism in their dealings with the black community, and uh, they consider the parade a safe space. Uh, I, as That's as far as I understand that is uh, their argument. I don't see anything political about letting the police... In, uh, I think it's disgusting. The police do make mistakes, but uh, you know they're they're here to uh, protect us and to serve us, as they say, and they should be allowed in the in the parade. Uh, whereas a group like Queers Against Israeli Apartheid, they've been allowed in. Uh, and and, and that, in my opinion, was a huge travesty that they take over. I mean, in 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 I see that as as basically an anti-Semitic group. It was ridiculous, yes. and they hijacked all the attention in the parade. And um, so uh, what I would say is that the Pride is a very politically uh, correct organization, and uh, they they have a history of caving to whatever radical group. Um, Roger, I'm going to try to take a few more of these calls before we have to turn to another subject. So thank you very much. Okay, thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. We've got Jim in Hanover. Hi, Jim. Hi. I just want to comment on what the mayor was saying about uh, raising the the taxes. Yep. Well, you know, our assessments go up all the time, and uh, there's no need to raise the taxes. I remember back in the 70s, we sold a house, and the real estate charged 6%. It yep, that's... 6% today, but it's on $500,000 homes, not on $100,000 homes. So Ye- if the assessment keeps going up, and they keep wanting to increase the, the taxes, that's double dipping, isn't it? Well, the, it's uh, it's a little more complicated than that because the the houses are assessed and then they then they add a mill rate to that. Yes. Uh, so property taxes go up, but they they probably didn't go uh, up as much as the uh, value of your house and the assessments. The proper the assessments for the purposes of property tax. I mean, there was this whole controversy about market value assessment. Yes. They weren't necessarily the same thing. No. But uh, but uh, do you agree with the mayor? He said he's absolutely not going to raise property taxes more than the rate of inflation, but the money will have to come from somewhere. Well, if inflation goes up, he's going to raise it, isn't he? Well, to the rate of inflation. Yes. <laughs> so if the inflation goes up to 2%, he's going to raise the taxes 2%. Uh, well, yeah, probably. Yeah, he's covered. <laughs> well, ta- but yeah, but that's not going to get him any further ahead. If you know what I mean, if you raise something the the rate of inflation, then then presumably you can just you can buy what you bought the year before, but you can't add new transit for that. Right, but I mean, I agree with the one thing you said. Take a look at the money you're spending and what you're spending it on. See if there's any cuts there. Oh yeah, they are going to do that, but um, I I suspect they won't. Uh, that won't be enough. Anyway, Jim, thank you very much for your call. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.